0: So, Vanessa, a long time no see. I think it's been over years since (laughs) I saw you last. Yes. Um, You came to Kelowna in 2014. I did. From Creston. Mm Mm-hmm. What made you decide to come to Kelowna?
1: Well, a couple reasons. So, I have two girls, and they were just becoming teenagers. And Creston, even though it's a beautiful area, for what they were into with acting and soccer and volleyball I knew that they would be able to have more opportunities here in Kelowna Mm -hmm. the other odd thing was that I was working on a business that I had launched in Creston called Nightingale Patient Care Advocacy Mm -hmm. and I had spent a couple years looking for the perfect place in BC where I could really take my business to like another level so I had researched Kelowna Kamloops I even thought about back going back to Edmonton and Calgary but after two years Everything kind of fell back into Kelowna. It was like the perfect community. Mm. It's uh, had access to so many other cities around it, um, and my business could cover like such a broad area, like all right. the way up to Revelstoke, down to Asoyas, very easily. So that's mainly the the big reason why I came here.
0: Did you know anything about uh, Kelowna before you came, or was it like Google searches? <laughs> and- I Research. knew
1: that it was a younger genera or younger crowd here. So when I from coming from Crescent, it's mostly retired people. I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of retirement here, but they do put a lot of focus into young entrepreneurs. So yes. I had looked into that. The chambers seem to be a lot, yeah, bigger than the one in Crescent, obviously. And they did a lot of focus with young young entrepreneurs. And um that's about it. I just kinda mm-hmm. knew that like the hospital offered more, there's just more education just for myself with my nursing and Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't know anybody when I came. So I was it was literally just taking a chance. My family kind of followed me and we just landed here.
0: Did you come for a visit at least before you moved did. here? I did.
1: A couple of my one of my girlfriends got married here, so mm-hmm. I came a couple of years prior. And no, other than that, I just would just drive through, you know, buy some wine or whatever. Right. And I was like, This place is always beautiful. Yeah, so. so you're
0: not you're not from Creston.
1: No, I'm actually from Edmonton.
0: Okay, yes. so that's where you were born. You I know. was born there. Yeah, and how did you get from Edmonton to Creston?
1: My mother brought us there when I was 12. Mm. So I went to high school there, and then I actually went back to Edmonton to do my nursing school, mm. and then back to Creston to raise my kids, which was a perfect place for little kids. Yes. But again, you know,
0: older so kids, yeah. There's more. They get bored. More opportunities yes. here. So right. So you started. Uh, Nightingale Patient Care Advocacy or MPCA mm-hmm. in Creston. I did. Yeah. Tell us what what is it about? What does it do?
1: So, okay, so my background is I've been an emergency room nurse for 15 years. And what I have seen people go through is that the healthcare system is getting more complicated. Mm-hmm. Um there's a lot of cutbacks. Nurses are getting burnt out. Patients are in hallways. Like it's just, basically the system is being like overburdened. And I went into nursing because I want to work with families. I want to be able to spend time with them. And I'm finding more and more that I can't do that. Mm -hmm. And most nurses can't because we're basically just doing maintenance to kind of get people through the hospital through like point A to point B. So what I feel patients are missing is the time that you can spend with them, Mm -hmm. listen to them, figure out what their rights are. Um, make sure they're connected with the right resources, um, explain to family what's going on. That's not happening as much as we want it to happen. So nurses are trained to be advocates, mm-hmm. but it in we reality, don't we don't have the time. And it's not because they don't want to. So that's where I was like, there's a huge need for people, especially with the aging baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Um, they're basically taking up... they're they're all retiring right now so they're putting a lot of burden on the system um even our elderly people are living to over 100 and that's not very uncommon anymore like this is a big thing so you see this trend and i'm thinking like i need to start something and there's like there's a few advocates here in canada but it's still kind of a newer concept that this is even available to people so that's my passion is i want to help people get the courage to ask questions um to bring a nurse in with them, talk to their doctor, or make sure if they're feeling they're not being heard, I can advocate and make sure that the doctor is spending that extra time with them. Yeah. Or vice versa.
0: Yeah, I noticed um, the few times that I've had to go to the emergency room, uh, either for myself or to visit a friend, um, you can see people kind of sitting there wondering, like, what the hell is going on? Like, nobody's mm-hmm. talking to me. That's the
1: thing, yeah. And it looks like we're just running around, running around, which was just true. Like, we're just, like, busy, busy, busy people. And then you realize, like, your hour goes by in two seconds, but somebody's been sitting there for two hours and no one has explained anything to them. So that's where I can come in and explain what the process is or why is my mom still in the hospital? You know, like, why is she being admitted? So sometimes people can, you know, be admitted and no one's actually talked to the family yet. Mm -hmm. So I've been hired a lot from... So maybe somebody's mom lives here in a residential care and they live in Calgary. Right. So I've been hired a lot in that sense. They're like, do I take a whole week off work to drive down here to sit with mom? Or can I hire an advocate, an RN, who I know and trust that can sit and talk to the doctors, make sure everything's running smoothly, and I'll come down when I can.
0: Right. So, so it's yeah. like a li- liaison between exactly. the patient and their families and the medical yep. system. It is. And I can understand why it's valuable for Mm -hmm. older people because people who are retired or old, they usually have adult children who are still working. Yep. Maybe in a different town, maybe in Kelowna, but it's really hard for them to just sit there for hours in the hospital. Mm -hmm. So how do people find you? Like...
1: So I am basically, people type in like nurse advocate or I need help. <laughs> like right. There's a lot of things you can write into the Google search engine and you usually come up with a patient advocate or nurse advocate. Is this um, pretty common? It's not that common. Like I, I know there's a couple other people in town that are doing similar things as I am here in town, but, um, I feel like I have a broader mm-hmm. like coverage um, like this last year, I have now started focusing on youth and parents mm. because we are in a huge crisis, as we all know about, um, like the fentanyl overdoses. We got a big, we're one of the big drug capitals here, unfortunately, mm-hmm. just I think we're a gateway, perfect highway, things come through here. Yeah. Um, now being in emergency, you see a lot of the front lines of what's happening, that overdoses, deaths, you know. And there's not a lot of resources happening in town. They're getting better. They're trying to do the Narcan kits. They're trying to do stuff. But um, what I have found is that there's not any education being done with the parents yet on what to do
2: Mm -hmm. when
1: your child is having this problem. So I've actually designed a, a program and I've actually talked to the COPAC, which is the Parenting Association Committee. And I'm returning there next month to talk about how to advocate for your kid. You almost have to kind of think outside the box, you gotta be able to relay all these resources together, but nobody teaches you how to do that, right? So, that is what I do as well. And I do this with patients with, when you're advocating for your loved one. So, it's the same kind of steps that you do for advocating that you can kind of apply to anything in your life,
0: yeah. So, well, it's so true with uh, teenage girls in the house. Like, mm-hmm. fortunately, non-common, we don't have any serious problems at the moment, but. Yeah. I can only imagine it's like something happened mm-hmm. and it's like, who do you, who do you even talk to? Yeah. Right. There's just, I mean, there's so much information out there. I, I wouldn't even know who at all. And that's the thing. To? Like,
1: even when, um, yeah, like, as I said, I've had, I've had my own experiences with this, with people in my family and, even me being a registered nurse with lots of background and being an advocate, I didn't realize how little supports there are actually when it comes to that here. And they are improving and they are working on it, but I felt lost and I, it was awful. In my experience, I know of a child who uh, was got into involved in drugs at a very young age. Um, Her mother was absolutely desperate uh, she had done every little pamphlet that emergency had given her, she, everything that social services had given her like she felt like she had covered everything and still nothing was working. And she learned the hard way that there is something called the Infants Act of BC where mm. children have a lot more rights than what parents would like to think and you can't force help upon children that are 12 or 13. Wow. Um, this as far as I know is one of the only provinces that have this law in Alberta, you can help children because, you know, their brains aren't developed enough yet to make these decisions. So, um, anyway, so I had to help her um, learn how to advocate for her kid to basically show all these services that she had done absolutely everything that is available in this city and it's not working, so we need to come together.
0: So the child was refusing treatment.
1: Refusing treatment, but um, her life was at stake. She was living on the streets and... Got into some serious drugs like meth and everything, mm-hmm. and yeah, and she was only yeah running away from home. It was awful. So, anyways, so his mom had done everything that was available, and that's when I realized like this is what we hand out to everybody at the hospital. This is what every community like resource hands out to people, and you send people home with this information, and what do they do with it? Mm-hmm. So, anyways, so that's where I was able to come in. And We had to think a little outside the box and offer kind of create an action plan with the right people and stuck with it and just thought very, just, yeah, strange things like strange ideas. But in the end it did work, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was like, okay, this is, that's why I decided to create this program because I'm like, it didn't exist for this mom. And there's so many parents out there that are living this right now here in Kelowna and in other places.
0: So, yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing when, uh, from, Personal need, or someone we care about is going through a personal need, and we can mm-hmm. create something and fill yeah. fill that gap. Um, is it expensive? Your are your services expensive? So I know They're not, like like wealthy people, it may not be an issue. Yeah, but sometimes the, the teenage kids, yeah, you know, maybe in so. Family.
1: I know it's i it's not cheap. I mean, you know, as we all know, like if you've run a business, there's your hourly time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I charge hourly. Um, nothing's covered by medical, like, like you know, like Pacific Blue Cross, they don't cover this type of thing yet. Um, I think this is a very known concept in the US and it is covered there. Mm-hmm. So I think as more advocates come into Canada, this might be something they look at because they're not offering it in the present healthcare system right. at this moment. So, um, but what I've also done the side is where I've done workshops to talk about patient care advocacy for people who maybe can't afford me on an hourly basis, but Would like to be taught how to do the basic steps, Mm. and then they can just like, you know, use me for an hour. So, I I do find that I'm not even though I'm charging hourly, I charge $85 an hour. Mm -hmm. Um, You only need me maybe for like three or four hours. So, in the big scheme of things, I can get a lot more done for you in that short period of time, and I'll give you to the people and find people that do these things that are, you know, for free or covered. Mm -hmm. But again, if you don't know where to look, you can spend, you know, a lot of time, wasted time and efforts and frustration Yeah. trying to do it. So,
0: I remember um, when I had my first daughter and my ex uh, found out about a midwife program in British Columbia and it was something that was not previously covered, but there were advocates and eventually now it's covered. Now it's apparently. covered. Yep. And it was a really wonderful thing mm. because... Um, Similar that there's all these services and things that you can do when you're pregnant for the first time, mm-hmm. but people aren't aware of it, and they don't know where to go. Mm-hmm. And a midwife, um, she would meet with us like once a month in the early stages, mm-hmm. and in the third trimester, she was meeting with us once a week, and she came to the hospital with us and everything, and it was mm-hmm. just so amazing. Midwives
1: right. are amazing, because they, they take that, it's like the doctor side, plus they have that nurse touch because yeah. they yeah. are registered nurses as well that have gotten through their masters but yeah they kind of give a totally different yeah feel yeah you know, well, we knew
0: exactly what to expect and yeah. what was going to happen and you know it was really really nice mm-hmm. so i you know hopefully your services will become covered eventually i would i think it'd be awesome a lot of people need yeah it, you know?
1: i almost find that sometimes there's even maybe more need for people that don't have the money. That yes. you don't have the education Absolutely. and stuff, right? So maybe one day down the road we'll be able to get money, donated or whatever to you know to give free services to those people. But right now, as my business has only been off the ground for four years, and you know, as I said, I'm branching off into schools now, so that's new in the last year. And my courses, so you'll is give
0: in, talks in schools.
1: I'm going to be yep. Yeah, so I'm going to the parenting um, parent conference for the Copac, so it's a Central Okanagan. Pack committee mm-hmm. and they do a one day present or uh it's like a big seminar with different guest speakers so they've asked me to come back again mm-hmm. to talk about advocating for your kids and drug awareness and here nice so my goal and, is I'm going to uh, work with schools afterwards and be doing this program and offering it to any parent or anybody that's out there
0: that's great yeah. and you'll probably pick up clients that way too because mm-hmm. a teacher will hear you speak and say you know what there's a kid in our class and yeah they they need some help and that's really great. And it's a less,
1: you know, more cost-effective for, for somebody, you know, maybe spending like a hundred bucks for a whole day workshop as opposed to, you know, they can learn a lot from me then. And then, would mm-hmm. so I try to assist people so that you can do it on your own. That's my goal is I want people to be educated enough to know how to find help. And then I'm there in the background for those situations
0: where it's just too right, much. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you offer a course. Tell us about the course that you offer.
1: So I have two courses, but they're very similar. So basically I just, I talk about what an advocate is, who would make a good advocate. So this is not just for a business. This is just like, say your parents are elderly and there's, th- they, you know, you and your brothers or whatever have to decide who's going to be the health representative for them. So I kind of help people figure out who would be fit that, you know, who's convened not too emotional who can communicate well and if you can't and maybe you're the only one i that's kind of the next step i teach you how to communicate effectively without getting too angry or you know and i help you kind of get the best out of the your your resources and how to get the best out of your doctor and because there's just there's just a different way to communicate with people to get what you want and then i um basically i show them how to put together medical records um, just kind of keep everything organized so when you're walking into a doctor, you're not overwhelming them with your long stories right. kind or of cut to the chase. And so I just make things run a little bit more smooth. And yeah, it's so that's basically my course. It's just kind of how to do the basics of advocating.
0: And is it uh, a video course? or a, it's, in a, it's in, in person. It's in person.
1: Yeah. So I spend uh, six hours with you, including a lunch hour there, and we just go through it. You and cover. it's Yeah.
0: List of points. And, yeah, and it's kind of
1: right. like a workbook where you can kind of take maybe your present problem and we can kind of, you know, work our way through it to the end. Right. And that's what I'm doing with the the Advocating for Your Child. So it's similar, but it's geared towards children. So and two how,
0: courses. Yeah. One for the elderly. Yeah. And uh, what if someone is younger but they're terminally ill. Yeah, it's for uh, anybody. That would apply.
1: Yeah. The only reason I, I say elderly is just that, that I... A lot more people from the elderly hire me, or it's mm-hmm. usually actually the baby boomers that are hiring me for their parents. Right. But I have had people as young as thirty hire me because they, you know, they just want me to do research or whatever on something, because um, anything can happen to anybody. Yes. you know. So
0: very true. Yeah, very true. Do you still work in emergency? I do.
2: Yeah, do part you? time. <laughs> do you get?
0: Uh, does does. Uh, Like whenever I've been to emergency, I I can't stand it because I don't like the sight of blood and I hate seeing people in pain. How do you cope with that? Do you just, do you just shut off all your feelings or do you, I mean, how do you deal with people like with a bone sticking out there?
1: I think, well, first of all, I've always had a fascination with it, so it's never bothered me like to see blood and guts. I don't
2: You have a fascination?
1: Not just like, you know, it doesn't, (laughs) it's. It does above me. It's intriguing. Like I, I think medicine's cool. Watching surgeries is cool and all right. that stuff. So I actually went into nursing to become a midwife, which mm. I think is so funny because I never went into babies at all. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I finished my nursing school, I fell in love with. Emergency care, because it's, it's different every day. You get to work with all age groups. You learn so much. You're kind of like the jack of all trades, but master at trauma kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like you just know a little bit about a lot of stuff.
0: You have to be kind of a unique person, I think. Like, you can't be so cold that you don't recognize uh, priorities and yeah. what's urgent. Mm-hmm. But you can't be so um, freaked out by the sight mm-hmm. of blood or pain that exactly. you can't function.
1: You probably wouldn't have passed first year nursing. Right. <laughs> you know, they. We've had a lot of people drop out the first year not realizing that, yeah, it was just too much. Yeah. But that's normal. Like, you know, there's a job for everybody. There's a lot of jobs out there that I couldn't do either, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, um, you don't have to describe anything explicitly, but mm-hmm. do you ever see things in emergency that even you are like, whoa, like that's, you have to kind of catch your yeah, breath. Yeah, and...
1: anything child-related, mm-hmm. I think hits everybody hard. Yeah. Like, that's probably the hardest thing. child one. in pain. Yeah, in pain know. or just anything. So no matter how long I think I've already nursed, that will always bug me, you know, so. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the thing. But they train you how to cope, you know, it's, you know, and they do briefing afterwards and stuff, mm-hmm. but you kind of, you just follow your thing and you're working as a team too. So even when, if you just need to take a breather, you always have other people to back you up. So right. it's a, we got a good team here.
0: So. Have you seen people die? Many, many times. Many times. Yes. Is that uh, I you know, I've had some family members die. Um, I had a car accident when I was uh, well, nineteen ninety eight, I think it was. And a pedestrian jumped in front of my car and it was a total accident. Oh, it my looked, goodness. They they had a homicide investigator because someone died. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't speeding and I wasn't mm-hmm. under the influence. They could actually tell by your skid marks like how fast you were traveling. Yeah, yeah, which they're was uh, which was interesting, you mm. know. Because the officer said, "If you were speeding, uh, you might have some culpability," but I wasn't speeding, and I was mm-hmm. still wearing, You know, um, the pedestrian was actually at fault completely. Oh, wow. But uh, it was that'd be traumatic to hit anybody, yeah. Like just to, yeah. And when my father was dying of cancer, we knew that he was going to die. But the moment he died, there was a it was a unique feeling. It was like kind of a punch to the gut. Even though we knew, you know, when it was months, he was deteriorating from the cancer. and We knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. There was kind of a sense of relief because he was suffering. Mm-hmm. But the, there's kind of a strange feeling when, the moment someone dies. Mm-hmm. I can't really describe it. Mm-hmm. But do you find that something you kind of become immune to when you see it so many times? Or is it...
1: Well, I wouldn't say immune. Like... It's, it's different when you don't know someone, for right. one. It's it, Yeah, it's kind of like looking at the situation. Like, were they suffering? Is this a planned, like, you know, are they expecting mm-hmm. someone to pass away? Um, like, my really close experience with death where it was okay was my grandpa, but he'd lived to 98. Right. And he wanted to die in his own home. And I, I, was, I was there and part of the process and they were just doing palliative care. So it was still sad. It was kind of that empty feeling when they go, but it was still... It was done very respectfully, and yeah. it was okay, and people had time to prepare. But then the other, I've also had deaths too where people die suddenly, and it's awful. So yeah. I was like, it depends on. So you never really
0: become immune. You're not really this. immune.
1: It's just like it's all different situations, and you're there, as, especially as a nurse, you're there as a rule to be a support to that family, right? Yeah. So, you know, you're not getting attached to your, you know, an unhealthy attachment to your patients or anything, and plus it emerge we don't have people there for very long, you know, chances are they've been admitted and they go upstairs where nurses can spend more time and get to know their patients. So yeah. yeah,
0: You've been only in Kelowna for a little over four years now. Mm-hmm. And are there any surprises? Like, is it different than what you expected when you moved here? You made a decision. Yes. Uh, everything made sense from the perspective of your business and your children. Mm-hmm. But was it everything you expected?
1: It was more. It was awesome. Because I owned a business also in Creston. I uh, had it for six years.
0: What was that?
1: It was a retail store for shoes, mm. athletic wear. Um,
0: Did you sell the business?
1: I just closed it. it mm. was kind of, I could have maybe, but I had made that decision. I was ready to move, ready to do a business that was kind of more lined up with what my passions were. So, um yeah, so we did I did, okay. I did good. Like I kept my, my business grew every year, but the support was a little bit different. Um, I don't know if it's just a small town mentality. I don't know. The I found I found that the chamber there wasn't focused on young entrepreneurs. They're kind of more focused on the existing businesses that have been there a long time. That's what I had felt. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't have a good taste about the chamber. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know why I was spending money on it. So eventually I just, I didn't. And when I came here, people were like, you know, you should try the chamber. And and I didn't see the point, but then I did. And I was glad that I did because they do a lot of really cool stuff for young people. And they, they actually really, truly support you. Um, I've met a lot of awesome young entrepreneurs like my age or younger that are doing well and they get a lot of support here. So I've never yeah. seen that before. In Creston, it was... It was hard to make a business. I struggled. It was tough, you know? Yeah. It just... Yeah. There's
0: very very little... Uh, I mean, I shouldn't say there's very little education. Because there, there are resources available, but we're not... A, it's sort of like the patient care thing. People yeah. People aren't really aware yeah. of where to, turn, where to go. And the Kelowna Chamber is excellent. Oh, they just... you won an award.
1: I know, yeah. I got... no Yeah, I won the top 40 under 40. So that was pretty exciting. Like... Yeah, they just, everybody was, every time I've brought up my business with anybody, somebody knows someone that could have used me, you know, and it's, so it's exciting watching this grow Mm -hmm. and, you know, so, and that the fact that I'm pretty much like almost the only one here in the Okanagan that's doing this, so that's exciting. That is exciting. But I won't be, I'm sure, the only one for long. Right. (laughs) You know, it's not like I invented this idea. It's just, you know, it takes somebody to
0: do it, I guess. similar to this podcast Actually, yeah. I mean, there's it's, podcasts all over the planet. It's like you didn't
1: invent podcasts. Like, you know, you,
0: this is... But it's out. unique to Kelowna for, for the time being, mm. which is great. And uh, hopefully, like I'm thinking five years from now, people will look to me for advice how to mm. start a podcast, how to... They right? probably will. It's not, nope. I don't view it as, um, you know, it's a limited pie. Like, we mm-hmm. can grow this together. And I think it'd be the same for you. Mm-hmm. There's probably hundreds and hundreds of people that need that type of service Once you're established, you know Mm -hmm. you'll be able to help others to to do similar things. Yeah,
1: I know. My goal here is to branch my business and find other registered nurses who want to take my business and do it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So, like basically a franchise. So I'm just trying to get it established here and iron out the wrinkles and stuff. I'm learning a lot. As I said, I'm bringing in children and parents now, and that's a new thing. But didn't realize there was such a need. I just assumed that Kelowna had all this stuff, but, mm-hmm. and it will, it will, you know. Will. So, I mean, the foundry just opened up. Um, they're kind of doing a su- somewhat of a similar idea where they're collaborating with people. They didn't invent a new service. It's more like they brought all the existing services together in one hub.
0: What's the foundry? So the
1: foundry works with anybody, you know, don't quote me, but I know it's 25 years and younger and maybe it's 12, 12 mm-hmm. to 25. And they offer anything that is needed, whether it's mental health funding, housing, food, counseling, like all that stuff for these children. They do a lot of free courses. i teaching them how to budget. Like it's, I think it's an, a fabulous thing. Now, again, they didn't reinvent the wheel. They just said, okay, we want to offer a one stop place where kids can come to and ask help for anything and we can direct them. So now that I have this program, I'm hoping to be able to collaborate with them as well because mm-hmm. they don't offer what I'm offering. Right.
0: So, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. You um you've been here for over four years. I've been here for over seven years. I think we have a similar experience that when we came here, we didn't know anybody. Yeah. And uh, it's a little bit challenging to meet new people in a new city. Yes. Some people say Kelowna is very cliquish. Um, I believed that when I first came. Mm -hmm. And now uh, I kind of see the wisdom in you start your own community.
1: Yes. That is what I've done too. Yeah.
0: Tell us a bit about your experience. Like what would you recommend? Because we do have listeners Mm -hmm. in Edmonton and Mm -hmm. Vancouver we're considering coming to Kelowna, mm-hmm. but they hear like, oh, it's so clickish and so hard to make friends and yeah. network and so on. I know, uh, I kind of got, what I know, would
1: I, when I first came, I was waiting, because going to a small town, everybody knows the person who bought the house in the corner, because right. everybody knew that was, you know, like, everybody knows everybody, so you didn't have to try to tell people that you were new and that you needed friends, people came to you. So I was kind of just waiting for people to come to me here Mm -hmm. and nobody came. (laughs) (laughs) So then I realized I'm like, Oh, I might have to take this into my own hands and go make myself a friend. (laughs) So (laughs) I just started, I guess going online and just uh, finding events or just anything that I was into and just putting myself out there by myself. And it, it is nerve-wracking. You feel like you're back in kindergarten again or a new school. (laughs) um, But yeah, so then I also made a point at work too. Same thing. I was waiting for people just to invite you to places, but I realized I have to almost be the host. So I started just being my own host and inviting people I don't know. And then I've let a lot of people make friends at my house because they're in the same boat too and don't know people. So I always invite the stragglers that are like lost and they, you know, you hit it off or you don't
0: (laughs) That's great. So, I think it was Gandhi who said, "Become the change that you want to see in the world." So, you've done that Mm -hmm. throughout your life, like with the patient advocacy, Mm -hmm. because you needed that in your own life, and uh, making friends in a new city. It's really great that you uh, look out for newcomers and, mm-hmm. you know, you have... Because I'm like, I'm sure out. there's
1: another person that doesn't have, like, I don't know, Easter dinner, so you'll invite them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And why not? I've been yeah.
0: to uh, some of your dinners with yes. the turkey and everything. Yeah. Mom, and just wonderful cooking, man. Yeah. Amazing. It's making me hungry. <laughs> so we'll have to yeah. um, return the favor to you. Yeah, that would be awesome. I I've think two or three times I came with my daughter. And yeah. the food was... Amazing. My mom's a good cook. She's she's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, We make good food in that house. A little too
0: good. (laughs) 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 We're like, whatever, life's short. (laughs) Yeah. We might enjoy it. yeah. Yeah. So delicious. Yeah. Well, Um, How do people find out about NPCA and the services that you offer? I
1: have a website. So it's uh, Mm nightingalepca.com. I'm also on Facebook. You just look up Nightingale Patient Care Advocacy and I'll come up. Uh, You can read about me in the chamber. You can read about me in a couple of newspapers too. You just type it into Google search engine. Uh, My phone number is 250-862-8894. Okay. And people can text you, they or call, call
0: okay. Call. You prefer a call,
1: yeah. That's a that's a landline. I mean, I guess you can text the landline, but I don't know if you can. I, I don't know, I don't know if it's
0: a that's landline. okay. <laughs> that's a got to make that clear. I um,
1: but I've got email you can easily email or Facebook message me on okay. Hold of we'll account. put all the
0: links yeah. in the uh, show notes. That's great. Would you like to nominate anyone? Come on this show in the future?
1: Yes. Um, <laughs> am I allowed to nominate two people? Yes, you are. Okay. I've had okay.
0: Uh, a, so. a very few people say, I don't want to nominate anybody, maybe one or two. Most people nominate one or two. Mm-hmm. One guy said, There's no way I can nominate one. I've got seven for you, and he just rattled off all oh, these okay. things. Most people are one or two. Okay. So, you, whatever you want.
1: So, Chantel Adams. Okay. She basically, she taught me how to speak and cause that was probably one of my biggest fears was getting up on a stage in front of a bunch of people. She's a
0: public speaking. She's a coach. public
1: speaker and she does, yeah, coaching. Um, and she's got amazing programs that I've taken just to, just to bring speaking more into my business, which I think is key. You gotta be able to talk. You gotta be able to talk about your business. And, you know, and I never even actually thought I just wanted to do advocacy, advocating I never thought about doing workshops and stuff, and so she kind of helped me like think outside the box. She goes, "There's so many different ways you can teach people," mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Ah, so you know, so I'm glad that I met her four years ago, and I've been working with her since." And cool. and the other person, her name's Sarah Shakespeare.
0: And is this felt like the? Yeah, like, the like she, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so wonder if she's related. I know. Right? <laughs>
1: So, anyways, she she does a few things. Uh, I know she's got an interior design company, but she also is the president of the Copac. But she okay. also does speaking as well. She's like a motivator motivator speak, speaker. What do you call it? motivational speaker? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And why do you like Sarah?
1: She's just got great energy, and she loves Kelowna. She really promotes and she really helps. Like she, she basically she's just a really good I guess cheerleader for you. Like she's mm-hmm. smart. She's Very charismatic, high energy, and very supportive. Nice. Yeah, and she's a good speaker. Awesome.
2: Luke Mankus is a realtor. He loves what he does. We asked Luke if he had any regrets about moving here in 2011. And he always says, yeah, one regret, and that is he didn't move here sooner. When Luke came here, he didn't know anyone. He didn't know the neighborhoods or anything or anyone besides his daughter, who was six years old at the time so he knows what it's like. Now, he's an expert and has helped well over 100 single people, couples, families, and investors with their real estate needs in the Okanagan. If you're new to our beautiful city, Lou can help you get connected with great lawyers, dentists, carpenters, landscapers, swimming pool installers, you name it. And whether you're new to Kelowna or not, Luke knows real estate. He can help you find a great property, negotiate a good deal, and hold your hand all the way through the process until the day you get your shiny new set of keys. Luke is known as a no-pressure kind of guy. He's had clients where it took even a year or more to get them into a property. He just doesn't believe in rushing things. On the other hand, when you decide it's time to act, he's diligent and he'll work day and night until the job is done. Give Luke Make Us a call or a text message at any time, 778-215-4273. Again, that's 778-215-4273. 778-215-4273 Seven seven eight two one five four two seven three 215 4273 to chat with Luke about real estate.